The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galina. And as always, I'm joined by my man, Scott Chu. But Scott, we have a special guest with us today. Yeah, it's the peanut butter sandwich I just ate. It was fantastic. It was good. My wife had chicken wings. Wife, I had peanut yeah, butter. she won't let you have any wings. It's, you know, it's the sacrifices you make in marriage, like mm. happiness, things yep. like that. You just let those things go, and it's a blissful marital marital uh, utopia that you have. There you go. Happy wife, happy life, right? So I wasn't talking about your peanut butter sandwich, okay? I was talking about our buddy Dylan Burris. Pitcher List's own Dylan Burris is here. You can follow him at Burris Dylan. Dylan, how's it going? It's going pretty good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for Yeah, I figured it's the least I can do after you wrote all 100 outfielder rankings for me. I think you did the real work, the actual rankings. Scott Scott made the rankings and and you wrote them up, huh, Dylan? That's correct. Yeah. All right, all right. So interesting uh, to find that later. We'll go over some of them. If there are any that you didn't agree with, don't be afraid of Scott. There might just, be. Just tell him. You know. All right. Good. You might have not um, been afraid already. I, I haven't read all the <laughs> rankings yet. There could be all kinds of fun insults waiting for me in the article. So please don't spoil it for me. If there's a real juicy insult in there, let's skip over those. And let me discover those on my own. <laughs> so, so Dylan, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, I was looking at your uh, Twitter feed. You're a Cubs fan? That's correct. Uh, I uh, only really started following baseball, and I know this is a little sacrilegious, but in 2015, uh, when wow. a friend invited me to play fantasy baseball, uh, and I just kind of instantly fell in love with it. I chose the Cubs. I have some allegiance to Chicago, but mostly they were just – that was the fun time to be a Cubs fan, 2015. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Guys like Schwarber coming up, uh, Chris Bryant, all those guys. Uh, and yeah, I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I think fantasy baseball is a lot of fun. And uh, I hope one day to be as uh, good at understanding fantasy baseball hitting as Scott. Well, don't we, don't we can... you worry, Dylan. We'll talk about all those players. None of them are in Cubby Blue, but we will talk yeah. about all of those players. <laughs> I, I like the fact that you picked a, a, a nice traditional franchise like the Cubs. Have you ever been to Wrigley yet, or 
I have not. It's pretty high in the list. And then COVID. Yeah, yeah. You should uh, go because I I went a couple times. It's really a great place to see a game. But uh, since you're a Cubs fan, and you know we're going to start off the show talking about the transactions that have taken place since our last episode dropped uh, last Wednesday. By the way, we're recording this uh, episode on Monday. Uh, March, I almost said June for some reason, but March 21st at about 9.15 Eastern time. Uh, so hey, since you're a Cubs fan, a player that I have been following ever since he announced that he was going to uh, leave Japan and play in the United States, Seiya Suzuki, uh, your Cubs signed him to a five-year contract and uh, roster resource has him batting fifth as the Cubs' new right fielder. What do you think? I am thrilled. I have, like, we have no idea, obviously, how that transition will go. It's always kind of a, a dice roll, I think. But, I mean, he just dominated in Japan. And you got to think that he's he's at least worth a shot. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't think they had to pay him that much compared to some of the really big names out there. So, you know, if, if he turns out to be even you know, half as good as he was in Japan, I think he would, uh, he'd be a real, real splash for the Cubs. Yeah. The Cubs have really built an interesting sort of roster. Uh, a lot of guys who can take walks like say a Suzuki, Ian Happ. Uh, those are the two main ones. And then a bunch of guys who can like make contact and get on base. Andrelton Simmons, Nick Madrigal, Nico Horner on the bench, young guy, another guy can get on base. Rafael Ortega is this speedy older guy. Frank Schwindel, obviously, he got on base and did everything well last mm-hmm. season. Uh, the only guy that kind of like doesn't get on base super well is Patrick Wisdom. Uh, but even he does take walks when he's not just like hacking to death. So it's it's a strange lineup in that there's only like there aren't any lefties that look like they're going to play every single day. But mm-hmm. they've got some moving parts. I thought the signing of Jonathan VR made some sense, except for the fact that I really hope they can get Madrigal and Horner working in the infield a lot together. I think that'll be really cool. Just hard to do that when you have Andrelton Simmons at shortstop, considering he's like the best defensive shortstop in the game until he retires. Yep. Yeah. I have honestly, I'm not going to pretend to understand what they're doing with this <laughs> rebuild or, or retooling or whatever they're calling it, but uh, they have a lot of, guys that are going to be competing for not a lot of spots. Uh, and I'm very curious to see how that actually turns out. Cause yeah, there's no way they signed Andrelton Simmons without assuming he's going to be the everyday shortstop, but they got a lot of infield guys that I don't know where they're going to play uh, when the season actually comes around. No. Uh, looking forward also uh, seeing Brendan Davis uh, outfield prospect for them. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be uh, up this season, maybe later in the season, but it, it is an interesting mix. <laughs> Good description there, there, Scott. Um, so since we're talking Cubbies, uh, my Yankees re-signed a uh, former mainstay in the Cubs lineup, Anthony Rizzo. They signed him to a two-year deal. Uh, basically, uh, I mean, I, I like Rizzo. Uh, you know, maybe a full year in Yankee Stadium with that short uh, right field porch. Maybe, maybe, uh, crossing my fingers, maybe he could hit, you know, 30 home runs again. But uh, I, I don't know, just in general, and I'm venting as a Yankee fan here, Yanks almost like seem like resigned to the fact that they're not going to be able to compete against the Blue Jays. It's almost like they're giving them 
the AL East crown, basically saying, okay, we're going to put together a, a, a team that could win, I don't know, maybe, you know, 85 to 89 wins. And Yankees win. The Yankees win. You know, at least we'll, won't agitate our fan base where the point where they won't show up to the games, but uh seems like almost like they want to tread water. But, uh, uh, you know, since you uh, you've watched Rizzo for a while, by the way, you're from Durham, right, uh, Dylan? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you watch your, uh, your Cubs games? You, you, you download an app or something, or how do you get your Cubs coverage? Yeah. MLB TV uh, okay. is one of the few places the Cubs aren't blacked out. I think there's <laughs> right. quite a few spots. Uh, so yeah, I am actually able to watch Cubs games because there are no local teams here for mm. me to to watch. Hmm. An untapped area, Durham, North Carolina. Who knows uh, if baseball baseball expands? But uh, what do you, what do you think about the prospects for Rizzo? I mean, he he's not done, right? I don't think so. I last year was was pretty disappointing, but he still has the plate discipline. I gotta assume that it might have just been kind of maybe the weirdness of moving around or something, but. I have to assume he's going to do at least better than last year. But I mean, even last year he was, he was a serviceable first baseman. He wasn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's definitely. I mean, we don't care about it as as fantasy players, but he's great defensively, and he's very good in the clubhouse. I just like seeing him on the field. He's like really energetic. Loves loves to play uh, ball. You could tell. But uh, like I said, I'm hoping that maybe that just more of the power could come back there. What do you think, Scott? Yeah, so it's tough. Um, he finished as the 23rd first baseman last season, which doesn't feel great. The batting average was a big negative. And then the low counting stats were a big negative, which was also unusual for him. I think I I like that he's going to be somewhere in the top half of this Yankees lineup that, that should score plenty of runs, right? And he hit more fly balls a bit. Like he hit fewer line drives and hit a bit more fly balls when he went to New York and his home run fly ball rate went down, which feels like a weird small sample problem. than it does like indicative of his ability to hit the ball hard. I think the weird thing is if you go to roster resource and I know they're not the be all end all on this, they've mm-hmm. got Rizzo leading off. I don't know what the heck you do with that, but at the same <laughs> time I look at their roster. It's what him or Aaron Hicks. Isaiah Kiner Falefa, who doesn't walk, mm-hmm. it might be Rizzo simply for the plate discipline and the contact ability because he probably right. makes more contact than any of these guys besides Isaiah Kiner Falefa. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to compare the two in terms of quality of contact. So it's reasonable. It's just weird. It's weird yeah. because it's a roster built of old guys who aren't fast. Like, right. Kiner Falefa is fast, and like a bunch of guys on the bench are fast, like Tim Castro. But the other thing it does, you know, just to sort of end on it, is DJ LeMayhew doesn't have an everyday spot anymore. I'm not certain where he plays because you've got Rizzo, Donaldson, and Glaber Torres at all three bases, and LeMayhew's not a shortstop. So right. kind of weird what they do there. They've got Giancarlo Stanton at DH. It's They've made a weirdly full roster for a team that <laughs> doesn't have, like, an amazing lineup. It's sort of like the twins that way. Like they got a lot of right. pieces. I mean, there, there's a, you know, Josh Donaldson still at the middle. So it's still, and Aaron Hicks. So it still kind of feels like twins, but, hmm. um, and they acquired Ben Rodvet and Isaiah kind of from the twins, but it feels just weird because there's a bunch of hitters in here, but none of them are leadoff guys. So right, I right. guess we'll see what happens. I, I could see DJ leading off. And uh, if Rizzo is, 
the de facto leadoff hitter. It, to me, it hurts his fantasy value. Obviously, you know, with the with the RBI. So I guess we'll see. I, I actually and, agree. And, he's not yeah. fast enough. He's not. He doesn't steal bases. It's nice to be at the top of the lineup in points leagues because more plate mm-hmm. appearances equals more points. It's right. nice to be on top of that in like very deep leagues. More plate appearances are valuable. But in our 12-team leagues, we're not hurt. In 10-team leagues, we're not hurting for plate appearances. I, mm-hmm. I mean, there are full-time starters on the wire. So those extra, you know, between hitting, even if you move down to like fifth, right? You're still only probably talking like 50 to 75 plate appearances. Like those are great, but how much was he really going to do with them? Players change their approach hitting leadoff. We've seen this with Schwarber a lot when he was with the Cubs, with Rizzo. Different right. hitter as a leadoff guy because his focus becomes getting on base and not hitting a home run. That's not what I really want Rizzo doing, right? I don't want him on base. He's a plotter on the base pads. I need right. him swinging hard. So, um, obviously, there's a lot of guys in this lineup who can do that. Interesting to see how that pans out. It it does, if anything, the certainty of him playing every day, getting plenty of at-bats in a lineup that needs as many lefty bats as it can get. Um mm-hmm. He's going to play, and that makes him clearly like a draftable guy in 12-teamers, which sounds weird for me to say, but in 12-teamers that didn't have a corner infield, he was borderline. He was fringy, right? right? And now I think he's a little more comfortable there because you know where he's going to play. He's going to play every day. Now it just makes DJ LeMayhew weirder to draft. Yeah, but I think he's still going to get plenty of at-bats because, look, Josh Donaldson – it's not going to play more than 130 games. We know that, right? The calf is going to, he's going to have a calf issue. And, uh, you know, give Glaber a day off. Uh, it, you it, could even give Rizzo a day off. I mean, he could play all over the place, you know? It, it feels like the the Chris Taylor rule. He's going to get the mm. plate appearances because he has to. Right. Right. I don't right. know how. I don't know why. I can't tell you the logic. <laughs> it just will happen. And just to mm-hmm. deal with it. Just accept it. I, I want the Yankees to put uh, Glaber in a trade for... Oh, I don't know, Sean Manea or uh, Frankie Montas. I don't know if that's enough. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Nobody wants your Glaber Torres, Torres, Joe. Just start talking about it. But the guy hit 35 home runs a few years ago. When? A few years ago. (laughs) When the ball was live, right? I think in 2019. All in Camden Yards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. So, uh, yeah, like it's great to actually have games to talk about and news to talk about. So I'll just bring up a couple of things, then we'll get back to uh, some talk about more uh, transactions that have taken place. So, uh, like I said, we're recording this on Monday night, March 21st. Some news tonight, uh, Shane Baz, Ray's right-handed pitcher, had arthroscopic surgery to remove, quote-unquote, loose bodies from his right elbow. Won't be throwing for the next two or three weeks and is going to start the season on the IL. Doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term absence, but look, you know, we're all starting to get into our drafts now. It's quickly turned into draft season, so keep that in mind when it comes to Shane Baz. Uh, Another quick thing, Max Scherzer in mid-season form already in his first spring start uh, on on Monday the 21st. Five innings pitched, 72 pitches thrown, 5Ks, no walks, uh, but he did give up a run, and... uh, O'Neal Cruz, Pirates rookie shortstop, already has two spring home runs. And uh, Willie Calhoun today, four for four, three runs scored, three RBI against the Guardians. And, of course, you know, Calhoun been battling health issues throughout his career. Also got it in the jaw with a pitch, just had some bad luck, too, but has a real good pitch to it. But just good to talk, you know, baseball news again there, guys. You're just going to leave out 
the home run by Akil Badu. He's got a triple already. Hey, listen, That's I raking. saw he, uh, he's raking. Tell me that he out yesterday looking uh severino got him looking yeah that's real cool joe uh also to point out scooble working on a new pitch he's messed with that curveball two guys i know i don't bring them up much all right i don't talk a lot yeah. about akil badu and Tarek scooble but i just want to throw that out there in case anyone out there wasn't sure about these guys never really heard of them before i'm here for you i'm helping yeah trying to just help the people joe dylan you know about his love for badu i do and to be yeah. honest i think i i share it as well uh, yes, <laughs> begin the podcast, Joe. Let's go. I think I drafted him in TGFBI, so yeah, he, he's okay. It's like a virus that I'm spreading. <laughs> yeah. uh, but okay, so uh, another thing, uh, I don't know, Dylan, if you know this about Scott, one of his favorite teams of all time is the Colorado Rockies, and uh, they made a big splash today, right? They locked up Ryan McMahon for the next six years, signed him to an extension for $70 million. Uh, basically can play all over the infield, but it looks like he's going to be their third baseman for the foreseeable future. Brendan Rodgers is going to be, hopefully for their sake, is going to be playing second base for them for the next several years. Uh, Dylan, what do you think about Ryan McMahon signing uh, for six years? I mean, got some power, right? And like I said, eligible in a few spots in the infield. Yeah, he's, he's fine. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to get excited about most Rockies players, I think. Uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, he does get to play in Coors all the time. He should have a, a pretty solid kind of role in the offense. But, yeah, it's it's hard to really get, get too worked up about much of anybody in, in Colorado right now. Right. Well, the one guy I kind of like what, what happened uh, uh, in, the, in the past week is that they actually signed Chris Bryant. And, 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 you know, you're right. It's, it's hard to get excited about this, this Rockies lineup because you, you look at it from top to bottom. It, they play in, in a stadium that just is built for offense, right? But, but you look at their lineup up and down. I mean, they just signed Chris Bryant to a long-term deal. And I'm thinking that that's going to kind of, you know, rejuvenate his career. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll be like a 30-home run guy every season, once again, but other than that, when you look at this lineup, the only other guy that I see where I could say he's a lock for 30 home runs is CJ Crone, right? What do you think this guy? Ugh. No? This like none of this makes any sense. First of all, Ryan McMahon is like by war because he's like very average defensively. He's like the 15th best third baseman on any given day in Major League Baseball. So, like, why are you extending him for five? for five years for $70 million when you've had all of these high level prospects come through your organization that you just ruin, mm-hmm. just ruin all the, like, like Chris Bryant, like what a great contract that would have been two years ago. Right. right. But like now you've got a 30 year old Chris Bryant for the next bajillion years and no one around him. That's anywhere close, right? This isn't even a young lineup. Brendan Rogers is 25 and a half. The next youngest guy is 27 that's Ryan McMahon. And like, that's the beginning of prime, I guess. But like, ah, this lineup is dumb. It doesn't make any sense. It's all platoon guys. It's like Sam Hilliard's not an everyday player. Ramiel Tapia's not an everyday player. Neither is Garrett Hampson. Neither is Jonathan Daza. Neither is Connor Just. It's a bunch of just guys. It's a like, how do you have a roster built entirely of 26 men? How did you do that? Like, how long did it take to build a 26th man roster? 
right? Like the whole thing, top to bottom. I mean, that's not entirely true. Brian's better than that. McMahon's slightly better than that. Crone's better than that. Crone, probably like Chris Bryant is the best offensive player on this team. Probably followed, Absolutely. Yeah. Probably followed by Crone, but that's just because Crone, McMahon, and to a lesser extent, Blackman are now more of like back end guys. Like you whiffed on everyone else at the position. Like CJ Crone moved up draft boards a lot last year and like technically finished fairly well, but you have to remember it was very streaky. He was terrible for the first two months. He probably got cut by half the teams that drafted him. Uh, Cause that's just the type of player he is. So like, I still have no faith in this team. I have no idea what the lineup's going to look like on a day-to-day basis, except Chris Bryant will be about where he is. And TJ Crone when healthy will be about where he is. Everything else is up in the air and I hate it. What are we looking at? Uh, Bryant third uh, Crone fourth. It's right Basically. now they've got Blackman, Bryant, McMahon, Crone, uh, mm-hmm. with McMahon platooning, which is great for a guy you just made, you just gave a $60 million extension to. So, right. uh, yeah, I mean, whatever they want to do. But it's it wouldn't be that weird if he platooned with, like, Garrett Hampson or Connor Joe or someone else who's right-handed. Yeah. But i got to tell you, though, that, I mean, Bryant signing with the Rockies makes him more attractive to me as a fantasy player. And uh, I'm looking at... You know, prior to his signing with the Rockies, had a, a 99 ADP. So in a 12-teamer, you would have gotten him in the ninth round. And after the signing, uh, he's basically a seventh-round pick in a 12-teamer. Is he, uh, Dylan, is he more attractive to you? I mean, he eligible this year, probably for the last time at third base and outfield. I think go, going forward, it'll probably just be outfield. But uh, is he uh, a more attractive option for you now that he's, you know, going to play his home games in, in, in Colorado? Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously the counting stats might suffer a little bit with the sort of lack of anybody around him, but I, and and I get, I'm a little bit of a Chris Bryant Homer being a, you know, Cubs fan and becoming a fan 2015. But honestly, aside from a couple seasons where he's had some injury problems, he's been really consistent. He's been really, I mean, he's pretty much always had a batting average around 270, 280. Mm -hmm. He's gonna hit especially in course at least 25 30 home runs yep steal a couple bases you know walk a lot and get on base which obviously is not going to be as helpful with his lineup around him but i i think chris bryant was a little underrated going into this and i think this makes him even better essentially i'm with you yeah i Uh, i'll say this so I moved him while we were talking before the show in my rankings, but I didn't move him out of his tier and I didn't actually move him very far. Right. He was 30. Where do you have him now? I got him 27th. Okay. Uh, and I'm not even sure I like it because. Among outfielders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that puts him right ahead of Jesse Winker. And I don't know if I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I guess it's a little safer. And now that he's in Colorado, that feels about right. But like he, to me, he's still in that same tier. For me, that tier was Brian Reynolds, Cattell Marte, Christian Yelich, Giancarlo Stanton, now Kyle Schwarber, Chris Bryant, Jesse Winker, Mitch Haniger, Ryan Mountcastle. And while as much as I like this move and I was willing to move him in that tier, he's still in that tier for me. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on how you've got those kind of players jumbled up, he'll move like a little more or a little less, depending on how warm you were on him to start. But that's the thing. This would this would matter a lot more if there was any kind of professional baseball team in Colorado. Yeah. Like any kind. Uh, this I, I'd consider moving him up like even more than that because he's shown great ability. But he's on a team that like is, 
you know, maybe like triple A, double A, you know? So I, I know the Rockies have always baffled you, right? And, and, and I enjoy when you go off on your rants no, on them. But now they have no talent seven, or vision. There's right, neither. Seven, they give Brian seven years, 182 million. That's 26 million per. And they, you know, and Ryan McMahon, had... what, what, yeah. what are the fans in Colorado doing right now? Are they like jumping for joy? Guys, don't worry. Ryan McMahon is here. Ryan McMahon will carry us to the playoffs. That's not happening, Joe. <laughs> and Story signs for six years, $140 million, uh, a little over $23 million per. Do you think they would have been just like, forget fantasy. I mean, would you rather have, and I, I like Bryant and Dylan, I, you know, I agree with you. He was a little underrated, you know, coming into the season, but I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I wonder what Trevor story did to piss them off. <laughs> More like what yeah. they did to piss him off. <laughs> Joe, let's be realistic. If you're Trevor story, do you want to go back there? Yeah. I love it. When I go half my games on the road, I can't hit anything because the ball moves different. My team is awful. My management is terrible. And I have no reason to play here. Get me out of here. Well, why do you think they have to keep bringing in free agents, right? Nobody resigns. Everybody leaves when the first contract's gone. It's because it sucks. I don't know. I'm looking at their lineup, but I don't see many free agents here other than Brian. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> so you're right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's move on to Trevor Story signing, like I said, a, a six year, $140 million, uh contract with the Red Sox. And he's going to play second base for the Red Sox. Never played a big league inning at second base. Uh, I don't know if that's to, to you guys, if that's a big deal. But I mean, I, I, I think it's a good move for him. Uh, righty power bat is going to take advantage of that green monster. And he's always had a good launch angle. It's in the high teens uh, for his career. So he's going to, you know, belt that ball over the green monster and, you know, non-fantasy wise sneaky move by the Red Sox because Xander Bogarts can opt out of his contract at the end of the season. So the Red Sox just bought themselves some insurance, but just in general, uh, Scott, what do you think that this move means for Trevor Story fantasy-wise? Uh, I mean, is he more of a 25-homer guy now instead of a 30-plus? to 30 plus? Or uh, I, I know you know, really doesn't matter where he plays, but now he's going to be eligible at short and second, and you, sometimes you wonder. So that matters. Know, well, no, that Dang. definitely matters. But I'm in terms of like his play on the field, do you think that that could – affect him in terms of having to learn a brand new position you mean an easier one like yeah. i mean we've seen players go to second but uh a great a great tidbit that was dropped by the athletic podcast is that like second basemen aren't developed they're found right it's shortstops mm -hmm. that don't play short for you anymore they're not your best shortstop so right. you know let xander bogarts play short let trevor story move to second we saw mike moustakis move to second we've seen the recently mentioned ryan mcmahon play second like Trevor story can play second. Like mm -hmm. he's, it's an easier, like Max Muncy still plays second base, right? Trevor story can play second base. I'm not concerned about it. One tiny iota. So like I, what I want is Trevor story to hit in the middle of that lineup. I think batting average hurts because batting average always hurts a little bit. When you leave Colorado, I think that he'll be more consistent from week to week because he's not dealing with the negative cores effect which makes it really hard to hit on the road. It makes it actually hard to hit when you first arrive back in Colorado. Cause again, 
the same slider from the same guy moves differently at the two different altitudes. That's what makes it so tough. So it moves less or more than it should. So I think it'll be more consistent. And really, if you have any concerns about players leaving Colorado, number one, stop it. It generally isn't a bad thing. Uh, Number two, we just saw a player do this where there were a lot more question marks with, um, with Nolan Arenado. He had, he was hurt coming off a bad season. He was going to a team where it Saint you know, Bush stadium is hard to hit in. It's not hitting friendly. And he was fine. He was just fine. Trevor story is going to be just fine. The speed should still play a bit. You know, he's not, yeah. I mean, there's no reason. I mean, they're going to need to play in a tough division. They're going to need to win every game you can. Steals mm-hmm. don't come from great lineups. They come from lineups with teams who need to win every game, right? Like that's, that's when you saw last year, Mark Canha got a bunch of steals earlier. Ramon Laureano got a bunch of steals early on. Robbie Grossman got steals early on. Mark Canha got steals in very specific times. Starling Marte got steals at very specific times because those teams were either on losing streaks or they were in late season pushes to make the playoffs. That means they need every base. They need every run. Uh, he's going to be on a team much more likely to need every run to steal bases in Boston, who might actually play for a playoff spot than Colorado. Who's going to play for like being not the worst. <laughs> and they I'm might not win. avoid last place. <laughs> All right. So why don't we take a quick break here? And when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Carlos Correa's new home. Kenley Jansen uh, signs, with the Braves, and that's kind of like a, a surprise. But uh, why don't we take a break, and we'll be right back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, Scott Chu, Dylan Burris, talking some baseball transactions. Baseball is back, and it's just awesome, uh, all the transactions that have taken place. And um, the Twins just, you know, keep on making deals, right? They uh, signed Carlos Correa, who this is kind of – I was surprised that he didn't go back to the Astros, right, because uh, there was – Stories in in the media that the actually uh, the Astros owner was in on the negotiations. I just thought it was going to be a done deal, but uh, goes to the Twins, signs a, a three year deal worth one hundred five million uh, at thirty five million per. So I think he's I think he's making the most per uh, of of an infielder, right? He's making more than than uh, we'll, we'll talk about Freddie Freeman in a few, but uh, 
two opt outs with this opt he can opt out after year one and after year two and uh not sure he's going to be opted out making 35 million per unless you know he wins the triple crown next season and he could you know sign for 10 years or something uh but uh you know uh, also he's got to prove that he could stay healthy so that's going to be in, uh, a part of it as well but uh fantasy impact and, and you guys could jump in on this you know twins have a, a real good prospect and, and Royce Lewis in the wings. So the top prospect with some power and speed. So that's, it's going to delay his uh, entrance in the majors and unless uh, he could come up and, and, and play second base, but they already have a, a pretty good second baseman. Right. And uh, Jose Miranda, we talked about him last week there, Scott debut may be delayed a little bit, or he just could DH him and have him make some sporadic starts, third, second, short. And then also on the Houston Astros side, I think we had mentioned Jeremy Pena uh, as you know someone to watch because now his ADP is going to rise. He was already being drafted in preseason drafts, but now it looks like he's going to be the Astros starting shortstop. I mean, I just said a bunch of stuff, but uh, t- 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 tell me what you think about the Carlos Correa signing there, Dylan. Uh, I mean, I like it a lot. Obviously, the like you mentioned, the health concerns are are always going to be there. Uh, I think he has what two seasons where he's had over 500 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, last season he, he kind of continues to develop a little bit as a hitter. I think last season had the best plate discipline of his career, highest mm-hmm. walk rate, lowest strikeout. Uh, you know, he's, he's a lock for 20 home runs and I think he could definitely hit 30. He's not going to steal bases, but uh, I, I think he's, he's a good signing and uh, a very reliable fantasy shortstop for your team as well yeah just like all of them right (laughs) like (laughs) like he's still he's still probably like in my shortstop rankings i kept thinking about moving him and i might but i had him at the start of tier four which is like position 13 the guys right ahead of him are javier baez francisco lindor Corey seager jorge polanco i'm not sure correa actually moves ahead of any of those guys right? Because we still have the same risk that he won't play. The other thing about Houston, I mean, I actually really like his contract with the opt-outs because like he, he's shown that he's really good when he plays and he's shown that he doesn't always play. So another year or two of playing, he now has two straight seasons where he's played most of the season. Another year or two of those, he might find himself looking at a more lucrative contract. But until then, um, He's gone to a team that continues to just have a baffling roster of guys that don't all quite fit together, Mm -hmm. right? Like there's, there's a lot of pieces on this that could move, right? Like I no longer trust that Max Kepler, Alex Kirloff, Brent Rooker, uh, Gio Urshela to some extent, Miguel Sano to some extent, um, Luis Arias and Jorge Polanco are all going to move around that DH spot. Like, it's almost like this team doesn't want Buxton and Correa to stay healthy all season, right? Because they've got too many pieces for that to work. They've got too many guys that probably ought to see major league time or be let go, right? Brent Rooker Mm -hmm. is 27, right? How much longer are you going to keep that prospect fire burning, right? You should probably get him going. Uh, Obviously, you have your shortstop, Royce Lewis, 
you know, he was number one overall pick. He's your best prospect in the org. You know, he's one of your top two prospects in the organization. Mm -hmm. Um, you got to figure out what you're doing with him. He's definitely a top 100 prospect. You've still got Trevor Larnick in the outfield. He's 25. He's ready to play. Austin Martin, who they acquired from the Blue Jays last year, he's in the outfield. He's ready to play. Uh, there's a lot of guys. There's well, so think many. Of Gary Sanchez now, too. Yeah, Gary Sanchez. <laughs> you know, the other thing about this team is they look, it looks so streaky on offense, right? Mm-hmm. Between Buxton being healthy, uh, Correa being healthy, Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Gary Sanchez. There's going to be days where pitchers just carve this lineup up. I was just chuckling to myself thinking Miguel Sano and Gary Sanchez in the same lineup. God, if you can, if like, like, (laughs) yes, they have guys that are, that are tough outs, right? Polanco's a tough out. Correa's a tough out. Arias can be a tough out. But after that, Right. If you can get through the top of that half of that lineup with zero, like with minimal damage, you're going to love seeing Sano, Kepler, Sanchez, and then some combination of Kirill Offer or Shella or Jose Miranda or Brent Rooker or a bunch of young guys who aren't getting consistent playing time. Mm -hmm. So they might actually be a fun little streaming target, especially when you've got like a tough lefty. Since, you know, the two best players in this lineup are right handed Buxton and Correa. They're also, they're also the two most like fragile. So -hmm. like, uh, tough lefty could be really good because that would help get rid of like Luis Arias and Kepler and all that, or even tough righties because Sano, Sanchez, they're all going to strike out plenty. So fun, fun team. Um, And I just can't pick them to be very good because of how disappointing they were last season. That Mm -hmm. was rough. I thought that they were a division contender, but it's an arms race right now in the AL central. And this could still be a last place team in the division with that pitching. They definitely underachieved last season. I mean, the you know, the, the the roster wasn't as bad as what the results were in terms of right. I mean, uh, you know, we thought they'd be at least a five hundred team last season. But uh, yeah, good uh, analysis on your part. And uh, let's move on to the Braves signing former closer for the Dodgers, Kenley Jansen. So uh, now uh, Braves have a, a nice righty in Jansen, right? And, and a lefty also uh, coming out of the bullpen in Will Smith, who, uh, you know, we were all drafting him. At least I even drafted uh, Will Smith and my TGFBI as my primary closer. So now uh, Jansen is being projected uh, for mid-20 saves. Uh, ATC has him for 22, by the way. Will Smith, Steamer, has him for six saves now. Uh, so, and when you look at the uh, implications for your drafts, right? Be- before the signing, you were getting uh, Will Smith in the ninth round in a 12-teamer. And this week after the signing, he's going in the 11th round. So he's losing a, a couple of rounds there, Scott. Yeah, they've like signed a whole bullpen, <laughs> right? Jansen, they signed sneaky, sneaky yeah. good Colin McHugh. Yeah. Um, a guy who's been successful in the past, Tyler Thornburg. They've mm-hmm. got they signed Kirby Yates, who's hurt right now, but they signed him. Right, yeah. that's a former closer. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have, and then they had Will Smith already. Mm-hmm. So it's a weird, weird bullpen that they're doing. Um, but I guess it can't be too strong, right? We've seen this before. The Royals built a whole dynasty on this for a couple of years, having really, really strong bullpens and a good lineup, and they got both. 
right? And it probably takes the pressure off a young starting rotation who, like, other than Charlie Morton, like, who's the next oldest guy? Max Fried's 28, I guess. Uh, Mike, yeah, nope. Mike Soroka's not young. They got a bunch of starters in the minors that they want to have probably see a little bit of this year with Kyle Wright and Tuki Toussaint, Kyle Muller. Uh, there's there's a lot of things going on here, and it's, it's interesting, but it's also uh, horrible for fantasy because none of these guys have any leash at all. Uh, the, the, the Atlanta does not have the same, uh, sentimental attachment to Kenley Jansen that the Dodgers did, right? Mm -hmm. They'll pull him. They got Will Smith right there. Who's, you know, good enough to help you get to a world series, right? Like we know that (laughs) for a fact. Uh, so it's, yeah, it makes this a lot more painful for fantasy. You think some teams just feel more comfortable having their main closer, a right-handed pitcher? I think they hate us. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't care about us or our feelings because this was probably like the worst place for Kenley Jansen to go for a fantasy perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In real life, I it makes so. a ton of sense, but for fantasy, it was the worst. He needed to go somewhere where there was no clear job. And now all he's did is taken a pool of closers that was small and made it smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going to be tough managing the closer position. It's always tough, but even more so this preseason. Uh, they've been just going flying off the boards uh, like crazy this preseason. But let's move on to the Philadelphia Phillies who are putting together, Dylan, they're putting together a real murderer's row. If you take a look at uh, roster resource, their projected top five hitters at the top of their lineup they're going to hit more than 150 home runs, 160 home runs or so. So this week they end up signing Nick Castellanos uh, gets to play his home games in another hitter friendly park, five years, 120 million. And they also signed Kyle Schwarber and uh, the roster resource has him projected to lead off for the Phils. Remember he used to lead off for your, your cubbies. So uh, um, only batting 161 in 16 games in citizens bank park talking about Schwarber here, but has six home runs in those 16 games. Uh, this team might not be able to catch too many balls. Their defense is a little shaky there, Dylan, but man, they're going to hit a lot of home runs this year. Oh, yeah. I mean, the like you said, the roster resource has Schwarber, Castellanos, Bryce Harper, Real Muto, and Reese Hoskins as the top five hitters <laughs> in that lineup, and <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of home runs right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it they're they're gonna have some troubles too. I feel like they definitely struggled at points last year as well, even with kind of a lot of those guys who are pretty good hitters. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like Bryce Harper was really consistent, but beyond him, there were nobody really kind of came in the way that we thought they would. Um, but obviously, adding two really good bats like that, real power bats, uh, it's gonna help a lot, and it's gonna it's gonna provide a lot of counting stats for uh, fantasy managers as well. Yeah. And uh, this guy, I know that uh, Schwarber batting at, uh, at the leadoff spot, that kind of irks you a little bit, right? You you weren't too crazy about him leading off of the Cubbies. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't make sense. Mm. He hits a bunch of home runs. You want people on base for the home runs. Mm. It, it's, it's, this doesn't have to be hard, right? Like JT Romuda makes sense as a leadoff hitter. He makes great contact. He can move a bit, 
right? Like he can do all he those things. He a couple of bases, this guy, Riamuto. Yeah. But no, let's get Schwarber in absolutely plodding on the base pass. And then the only guy that might be slower than him. Castellanos used to hit triples when he was a tiger because there's giant power alleys there. But yeah, anyway, that, that, you know, that's not as important. Um, I will say it's, it's a fun lineup. It's a good place for lefties to hit in Philly. So that's great for his power numbers. Um, Obviously hitting in front of all those guys is really good. It's good for his numbers. He's got a full-time role. Uh, He's not going to get platooned at all. There's just not enough bats in Philly that they could get in if they wanted to. So that's another plus. Um, It's, it's all good. These, these are where I want these guys to kind of sign. Like it's dumb that he's leading off, but I want him to sign somewhere for fantasy purposes where there's a clear role and a clear expectation, right? Not this Kenley Jansen stuff where I don't know what anyone's doing anymore or this twin stuff where I don't know what anyone's doing anymore just like this with the Phillies where I know what everyone's doing. And you know, the only downside for that team is I'm not sure how they're going to pitch after Wheeler and Nola. Um, so they might need more hitters because they got to compete with Atlanta and Atlanta still has a deeper lineup than this. Mm-hmm. Not as top heavy, but it is deeper. Uh, and it does have Ronald Acuna in it when Heath's healthy. So, you know, awesome stuff. And it still feels like they're playing for a wild card. Right. And uh, yeah, I should have mentioned when we were talking about Kenley Jansen and the Braves, and I'm glad you brought up the Braves again, Matt Olson had already been traded to the Braves when we did our uh, last episode, but Braves keep on signing. They find a way to sign these incredible players to team-friendly contracts. I mean, they signed Olson to an eight-year, $168 million contract. That's $21 million per. And uh, supposedly, Freddie Freeman early in the negotiations was asking them for six years, 30 million per, that was a 180 million. So, you know, tip your cap to the Braves. They got a younger player, locked them in for a longer period of time for less money. I mean, Freddie Freeman, he's going to hit for a higher average than Matt Olson. But, you know, like I said, I mean, the Braves really, uh, they have uh, Ozzy Albies signed up for a long time at a reasonable uh, contract. I think even Acuna signed a, a fairly reasonable contract, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, um, he he did. And what's kind of funny is you look at this like starting lineup, and a lot of these guys are kind of new, right? Um, they just got Olsen. Uh, they got Ozuna in 2020. They got mm-hmm. Duvall last year at the deadline. They got Rosario last year at the deadline. They got uh, their current DH, Alex Dickerson, <laughs> Um, they got him in free agency, right? And, and then their bench, Brock Holtz down there, Manny Pena. Those are just backup guys. Uh, they're making so many little moves and additions that are, I mean, they're fine. They're all fine. Like most of them don't mean anything for fantasy, but there are some that, that do, I guess. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me from all the stuff that's happened in Atlanta for fantasy the biggest change for fantasy value continues to be of all things. Adam Duvall is still the center fielder for a while. <laughs> and that doesn't, that doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense, but I keep waiting them for fill for them to fill up that DH spot. But even when it seems like even when Ronald Acuna comes back, there's going to be plays in this lineup nearly every day for Adam Duvall. And that matters, especially if he's going to hit fifth or sixth. Hmm. That's a good point. Uh, what'd you think of uh, D- Dylan? What'd you think of uh, Freeman landing in LA 
Uh, I mean, you, you look at this lineup here, uh, you know, again, we'll defer to roster resource, even though they're not the end all uh, and know it all, but uh, they have him batting third. You know, you got Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Justin Turner, Max Muncie, who seems healthy now, uh, Will Smith, the catcher, you know, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, they have him batting eighth in this lineup. So uh, it's just an incredible lineup. I mean, who who has the better lineup? Is it, it the Blue Jays or the Dodgers at this stage? I think you got to go Dodgers. I mean, they're, they're so proven. I mean, like you said, Cody Bellinger won MVP and he's batting eighth. You know, Chris Taylor and AJ Pollock both had great years and they're seven and nine right now. Like the top of that lineup is it's just all absolute MVP caliber players. Uh, mm. And uh, it's going to be terrifying for anybody who has to, who has to face them. Yeah. Um, Freddie Freeman, Scott, no change, obviously, you know, he, the guy's going to hit everywhere, right? Yeah, I mean, he goes from one good lineup to another good lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I- interesting real life news. Absolutely non mover for fantasy. I-, I didn't change any of my projections. Right. Um, I mentioned the blue Jays, Scott, they uh, just keep on improving themselves trade for A's former A's third baseman, Matt Chapman. And uh, lineup still extremely, extremely right-handed. But uh, you know, we were just talking with Dylan. Just a lot of fireworks in this lineup still. Yeah, and I went to go see if I should move him on my on my ranks. He's my twelfth, and he's right behind Brian Hayes and DJ Mayhew and Chris Bryant. So no, I didn't move him. It didn't matter. He's gonna uh, take it hitting in a, in that ballpark. Uh, Rogers Center is going to help him a little bit, no? Yeah, it is, but he doesn't steal bases like Brian Hayes. He's not going to mm. win a batting title like DJ LeMahieu. He's coming off a, a really rough season. The guy he's right above is Justin Turner, who I could say just as many good things for. Josh Donaldson is behind him. Third base wasn't tough because there wasn't enough good players. It's that a blob started almost immediately. Like after yeah. Austin, you know, there's this third tier, which already starts getting blobby, which is like Nolan Arenado and Alberto Mondesi and Alex Bregman with question marks. And then it's Rendon and Bryant, LeMahieu, Hayes, Chapman. He's just part of the blob. So he's part of this giant fourth tier and he doesn't move. It didn't, you know, honestly, it didn't move him much for fantasy for me because the problem is still, can he make contact? It's not like he went to a much better park. He went to a better team, but his team actually, he was hitting in the middle of the lineup and that part of the lineup was doing fine, especially at the end of the season when Starling Marte was on base and then on second every single inning, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's like this huge bevy of moves, but the most I moved any player in like any positional ranking was like three or four spots because that's the thing. Like all the, all the moves are condensed but the impacts are the same and they're just not that much. Most of this is guy with full-time role going to another team where he still has a full-time role. And those just don't move the needle that much. As much as we can talk about positional eligibility or what team you play on, what park you play, that's how you like rank one guy over another, but just one of those changes just doesn't move you very much in rankings. It almost never gets you into a new tier. It's like, I, you know, I hate to say like everything we just talked about was a waste, but in terms of like setting your rankings, it kind of was. It didn't, it shouldn't change your rankings at all. What it should do is make players who you weren't really considering at that point in the draft, 
And it might change your mind about that, which is going to feel like a lot more than it actually happens in your ranking. You're not going to move the ranking. You're just going to like bold the player. Cause now they're a target. They went from like not a target to a target that can right. happen. But in terms of like where you rank them, it just doesn't do anything. Right. So uh, last quick transaction I'll just mention, and we talked about it right before the show, Jorge Soler signs, a, I think it's a three-year deal with the Marlins. And if there's any other deals that you want to bring up, you can. I mean, but basically, I mean, there's just been so many transactions. But uh, what do you think the, the move to uh, Miami means for Soler? It was just like a weird move for me because they, they all – Again, they already have this. They already have power hitting free swingers on their team who are on much better contracts already, and they're still probably not a contender. So I guess maybe they could argue that he's trade bait if he does well. But even then, trade for what? People didn't want to sign him for nothing except money. Why would they be all that interested in trading for him? right? Unless they can unlock something to make him look like a 50 home run hitter again. But even when we see that stuff happen, these guys don't get traded for, for very much. So I just, I guess I don't get it. This didn't I mean, fill it, a it need kind of for blocks this team. Brian Dela Cruz, right? I mean, in terms of, you know, I mean, does, does it move Solaire a, a little bit up in your rankings or again, it's just basically. No, just because you know, if he struggles now, I know they have guys they'd rather take him out for. Right, right. Like you, you tell me they can't have some of these guys play like play, you know, somewhere in the outfield, right? Or you know, move some of their corner infielders to the outfield, like a Garrett Cooper or something like that, because they've still got they've got Lewin Diaz in the minors. They've got Isan Diaz, unrelated, who I know they want to see more from out of the minor leagues. Uh, I mean, just like a lot of players that they just didn't need to. It sounds dumb, but they just didn't need to do this. It just, it didn't make them better. Then they'll still have JJ Blade, uh, you know, in there who I I still like quite a bit. Peyton Burdick is a guy that's high up in their system that that they really like. It just it boggles the mind. None of it, none of it makes sense because this team has like a lot of young players that want to come up that unfortunately do the same thing as Jorge Soler, which is hit for power from the right side. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me. Can you tell? Can you tell that I'm frustrated by these moves? Maybe, they don't maybe they do just anything. Did it just to to prove to Derek Jeter that they can sign a free agent. You know, they have like think? better versions of this on their roster. Just to show Jeter he shouldn't have quit on the team. What do you think? Sure, mm-hmm. Jorge Soler really sends a message. It really does. No. So why don't we? So we said we were going to finish off the show talking outfielders. We had talked about your outfield rankings. We went through your top thirty a couple of weeks ago, and then baseball came back and lots of transactions. We had a lot of fun talking about you know different players and, and new places and whatnot. But uh, um, why don't we get back to the back end of? the outfield rankings. I think we're kind of doing like a, a tier five. I th- the next guy that we were going to talk about was a, a Cody Bellinger. And I want to get Dylan involved in this too. And so do you, right? Because he had to take your rankings and actually write them up. And I'm interested to see uh, if there are any that Dylan kind of disagrees with. So what would what, you take over this guy? Yeah, sure. I mean, this, it was already like, what was tough was 
even just starting with this part of the outfield, it was starting to get tough because we always talk about, you know, in fantasy, we always ask the question like in a vacuum, which of these guys would you take? The problem is there is no real vacuum, right? You never take a guy in the sixth tier of outfield in a vacuum because you've already got a bunch of team already assembled, right? There is no vacuum. You already have players on your teams. You already have stats that you have plenty of stats. You don't have enough of Cody Bellinger was a weird one because in theory, right? He gives you a little bit of everything, even steals, but not batting eighth. Right. So he really needs a resurgence. So like, obviously there's huge upside here, but it's actually going to be a weird team composition for me to take a shot on Cody Bellinger. It's probably going to be one where I took two outfield early in a three outfield league and Ballinger slipped a long way, right? That That's probably the most realistic version, um, especially because other guys in this tier like Tommy Edmond, uh, mm-hmm. Trent Grisham, um, those kind of guys, they can steal bases and Ballinger is just not going to steal more than 10. He's also not going to hit for a super high average. He's not going to hit... F- I mean, he could hit 40 home runs, but not nearly as likely as other guys in this tier, like a Joey Gallo or a Michael Conforto. He doesn't have the upside necessarily still of a Jared Kellenic or the stability of a Chris Taylor. He like matches up strangely against the rest of this tier, right? So he's really hard to rank and I have no idea what to do with him, but the rest of the tier I feel good about. Like it's guys that are solid and that do something, right? Trent Gresham's your power speed guy. Joey Gallo is your big home run guy. Michael Conforto's home run guy with more batting average, fewer home runs. You know, Austin Meadows, you you know what you're getting from a lot of these guys. And Cody Bellinger, uh, and to some extent, Jared Kelenic are the ones here. Like, I don't know. I guess they could be good. (laughs) Mm. So these guys, though, in your top, uh, in your your sixth tier, they're still very rosterable. And if that's even a word in uh, teams where you're starting uh, only three outfielders, but then as we move further down, then, you know, and I'm surprised uh, that you, you, you uh, uh, ranked Akil Badu, your buddy there at 41. You know, it would have been a lot higher, but um, (laughs) I, you know, Nick asks me to maybe pull some of the personality out, not, not Mm. the personality, some of the, the intuit like the the internal biases i can tell you that i have ended up with almost no guys from tier six on any team because i like tier seven almost as much in the Mm -hmm. third to fourth outfielder context so i never pick them i understand objectively that they're better that like they are more likely to have a better season uh or to have you know to score certain number of fantasy points or to finish somewhere on the player radar better than akil badu but I also don't care. I'd rather just wait and get a kill Badu. So mm-hmm. that's where, I mean, this, we're already, you know, we're only at 30, but you sh- it actually is going to feel like the back half of the outfield for 10 and 12 team leagues, right? I rank 100, but it's going to feel like the back half because you're getting your last half of starters. And I would definitely recommend finding who your targets are, having a couple of them from each tier because your early outfield is a lot more planned. Your late outfield is like, do I want to keep waiting? Do I want to keep waiting? Do I feel a big drop from these, like the five guys most likely to be drafted next versus the five guys after it? And often this stage of the draft, I don't. So I tend to just wait and wait and wait unless I'm in like a five outfield league and I've waited too long. Then I'm more likely to be like, well, I'm behind on outfield as it is. 
I could really use a Cody Bellinger upside right now. That's mm-hmm. when that would happen. It just hasn't happened to me yet. Any of these guys, Dylan, uh, that uh, he ranked and we'll just roll them off. Like he, he mentioned Bellinger, Edmund Meadows, Garcia, Avisel Garcia in Miami, <laughs> uh, Trent Grisham, Gallo, Conforto, Kellenic, Taylor, Hunter Renfro in Milwaukee. Uh, he's going to hit a lot of home runs there. Uh, any of these rankings here that you you, you, you would tweak? Uh, I think uh, sort of like Scott mentioned, so many of these are based on, you know, where you are in your draft and, and what your team looks like already, because they, you kind of know what a lot of these guys are, you know, kind of what you're going to get from them and it might fit into your team composition and it might not. Um, I, I have a little bit of optimism about Cody Bellinger uh, just mm-hmm. because of how he played in the postseason. Right. He looked yep. incredible. He hit 353. He stole five bases. He, mm-hmm. he went crazy. And I know he had injuries throughout a lot of the season. And my hope is that that's kind of what was going on. And, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see 2019 Cody Bellinger again, but I think there's a decent chance that he can rebound and, and really bring you a lot of value. Um, I really like uh, Austin Meadows. Uh, I think, and you know, maybe this is my Chris Bryant bias coming in here, but I, I think he has somewhat of a similar profile to him, at least how he's changed last season. Uh, he really bumped up his plate discipline his contact fell a bit, but, you know, he started getting a bit more power. So I, I'm kind of excited to see what he does next year. Obviously, any Tampa Bay Rays are a little iffy to draft because their playing time is going to be all over the place, regardless of how good they are for the most part. Uh, but I think he has a lot of upside uh, and also a, a decently high floor, particularly if you happen to play in like an OBP league or something like that. Um, and also I do love Akil Badu. He, <laughs> he has great plate discipline. He's got a ton of power and speed upside. I think his splits against lefties is not great, but, and that uh, Detroit lineup is going to start getting a bit crowded, I think sooner than later. So I think he's going to have to kind of work on those platoons a bit, but overall, I, I think he's the kind of guy who you can get, late ish in a draft and it can it can win you a league because he get, can you know give you 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases potentially or something so uh i i really like drafting upside particularly if you're going for like a a third outfielder and you've gotten stability in those you know first couple outfield spots um and i think badu is a great choice for that Okay. It's not just me, uh, folks. Not just me. <laughs> Spoiler alert: There's a going deep being worked on right now about Akil Badu and those splits against lefties. So keep your eyes off that. It. Get ready to move him up your boards a little more uh, when that's ready. But I, I am glad you talked about Badu and really just upside in general, right? And that's actually what I, one of the reasons I like the next tier or two a little more in terms of finding upside, right? We talked about Akil Badu. There's Lords Guriel Jr., who continues to just show flashes. Never very long, mm-hmm. but just flashes, right? Andrew Benintendi, he's more of a solid type, along with Alex Verdugo. Like, a little bit more of a known commodity, but a good one, right? Dylan Carlson, he was highly touted coming into last year. He still could be very good. He's got power and speed. Dulce Garcia has a ton of power and speed. I don't know how much of that's going to stick around, but we'll see, right? Kirilov has a great hit tool and power. Mm-hmm. Uh 
I talked about Solaire. It's less exciting now that he's in Miami. I wouldn't be shocked if I move him down, um, honestly. Uh, but Rosario back in Atlanta, that's great. Harrison Bader has power and speed. Najee Pollock, when he's healthy, right, he can do a lot of things. Like there's that's a lot of upside. Yeah. Uh, and really, the rest of the outfield, I will tell you, in three outfield leagues or four outfield leagues, you're going to start skipping a lot of the safe guys real soon unless you skipped them earlier in the draft, right? You're either chasing upside or you're chasing floor. You're rarely in a medium space. I mean, it's cool if you are, uh, but usually you're doing one or the other in your outfield because you, you know, you made the choices as they came. So that's really go- what's going to drive. Like my ranks or anyone's ranks aren't really going to drive how you draft outfield for the last half as much as it is going to give you an idea of when you need to pull the trigger. You're crossing names off and you're like, well, I got to get somebody safe for the outfield, right? And I'm crossing names off, crossing names off. And someone's taken Dylan Carlson and Adoles Garcia and Alex Kirilov and uh, Rosario and Soler and Bader and all those guys. Like, they're all gone. And you're like, oh, man, I really better pull the trigger on Andrew Penintendi now because he's so much further ahead than the rest of the guys I have ranked, right? Like, it's a it's a two-tier jump. That's where you'll start finding some of this, especially in outfield league or in like three outfield leagues where teams start ignoring positions because they're filled. Mm-hmm. You'll find these weird moments where you're like, whoa, there's like a two tier break before the next guy. Now I'll pull the trigger. Right. Or I'm, you know, there's, I'm picking eighth and everyone 10 through 12 says to pick. And I've only got two guys left in the next two tiers. I better take one of them. Now that's really what's going to be happening in your mind during this part of the draft. And now you're really just trying to understand the player pool a little better to understand where do these guys get drafted and what will they give me? What if I wait on something and I, you know, I want to go get it. Who can I get it from? Right. If I'm waiting on OBP, it's say a Suzuki at this point, right? If his draft stock hasn't gone completely up, if it's stolen bases, it's probably something more like a tiny Tommy fam or a Ramon Laureano. Miles right? Straw. <laughs> Miles Straw. What do you do with what do you do with Miles Straw? So I mean, he's he's actually someone I think, Dylan, that it would be nice for us to talk about just a little. Because Miles Straw is a guy who is going to be, I think, be horribly overdrafted in 12 10 and 12 team leagues, especially head-to-head ones. Because Miles Straw's value comes in roto, particularly NFBC style 15 team five outfield roto because you need those stolen bases and you need them to come with some runs and not a negative batting average. That's really hard to find in head to head or in um, a 15 team league, but head to head, you don't care. You can have, you know, you can lose stolen bases with all the fastest guys because they don't steal that week because they just don't need to. Right. So you can actually de-emphasize stolen bases. And because I do these ranks for Yahoo 12 team, Miles Straw doesn't do enough other stuff to justify being in those top three to four outfield spots you have. So he becomes a bit player. He's a bit player in the shallow game. And don't let the ADPs or the preseason ranks fool you because he only does like two things. And that just might not matter to you anymore. If you don't need those things or if those things have been de-emphasized because of your league settings or your team structure, he's no longer valuable to you at all type of player that you remove from the board Dylan I don't know how you see uh players like this uh one trick ponies almost always stolen bases or maybe like to some extent a David Fletcher or Luis Arias who's all contact all batting average maybe some runs and nothing else I don't know how you deal with them in these leagues but I see them as 
replacement players for specific needs. Yeah. I mean, like you said, there, there's a decent chance you get to that part of the draft and you're like, you know, this guy is essentially useless to my team, but he could be exactly the person you need because you've missed out on those early speed options and you, you desperately need somebody to kind of keep you at least treading water in the speed department. Um, obviously the, how many, what did he hit? Like two home runs or something last year? Uh, four, sorry, four home runs. Uh, it, that's, that's tough. Uh, he has what a higher OBP than his uh, slugging. That's not it's, easy to do. It's it is pretty difficult to do, uh, and pretty impressive that he was able to do it. Still not many play appearances to keep that up. It's not easy. Uh, but he is presumably going to—I don't know—at uh, least at the end of last year, he was hitting leadoff in Cleveland. It would make sense, yeah. So I mean, he should lead off for the Guardians. Yeah. He keeps hitting I mean, just leadoff, like, yeah. and that's that's a lot of, and he can get on base pretty well. That's a lot of opportunities for stolen bases, even if you know, they might be sort of giving up early and may not end up needing a lot of stolen bases. One of just six batters to steal at least 30 bases last season. So just keep that in mind. And they do run in Cleveland and he is fairly good at stealing bases. I would say, don't get, I don't want people to get overly excited because if you'll remember, we did that for a while. Uh, This very moment last year when he was leading off for an even better, for a substantially better offense, (laughs) Supposed to lead off for the Astros, and he did not yep. keep that job. Right now, he did get better as the season went on, but progress ain't like growth ain't linear. There's like there is risk here with Miles Straw. There's only one season where he's done this and been a meaningful fantasy, you know, sort of asset. And like, let's be clear, he wasn't that good. Like he did steal thirty bases, but he did not get to ninety runs. He only hit the four home runs. He hit 271, which is cool, and like a 349 OBP, which is like decent, but it's not out of this world, right? Like most of his value is actually defensively, and any change in like how much he runs is going to have a big negative impact, right? That's true. Uh, so he's one injury away lot, from, you know, yeah, completely losing of, all of his value. Yeah, there's more risk here, I think, than is let on, and you need to take that into account, and it's just one more reason that the strategy that you'll probably hear almost everyone telling you, which is get steals whenever you can. Don't, don't make it a one player thing. Cause that's literally putting all of your stolen base eggs in a single basket. Right. Uh, and that can go really poorly, right? Last ask any team that has tried to do this with all the Barito Mondesi, it can go poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when it goes well, it might not be for your roster because you might've cut them. Right. I mean, that's probably true of everyone that drafted miles straw last year. And I don't go on and on about miles straw. I think it's important because um, that's how you need to be attacking like your entire draft strategy at this point. The guy I rank right after him is Michael Brantley, who is essentially a one and a half trick pony. He gets some county stats because he hits in the middle of the Houston lineup, but he's just a contact and batting average guy. He may not be valuable to you in a points league. He's always valuable, but other than that, he might not be because you might not need that skill anymore. You might have de-emphasized stolen bases in your build, or you already have it, or um, you might have de-emphasized batting average, or you already have it, right? Like it's, it's going to change how, like whether or not you even want these guys. And when you get to the point where it doesn't matter anymore, then you start swinging for the fences. That's where, as you keep coming down the rankings, you see the sprinkled in Joe Adele, 
right? Like comparing Joe Adele and Adam Duvall is a really awkward thing to do from a fantasy perspective or like Joe Adele and a Robbie Grossman, because you're not expecting nearly the same things out of them. But uh, depending on the type of team you have, like you may just need a balanced starter as your fifth outfielder. That's Robbie Grossman. That's not Joe Adele, right? You may just need as much power as you can get. That's Joe Adele or Adam Duvall. How much risk are you willing to take on? Right? Early season, Duvall is very safe. Joe Adele is not. But as the season goes on, it probably becomes more likely that Joe Adele plays and more less likely that Adam Duvall does. How do you want to manage that? Right? Like, do you need boring old Randall Gritchick? Probably not. Right? Um, so why not wait a little bit and get something more exciting than that, which is like literally anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> like at the end of the draft, there's a reason that I very deliberately, I know I'm just kind of flying through this, but there's a very re- there's a reason I very deliberately rank a Jorge Mateo who's going to hit like 210 cuz he could he could be Miles Straw with a worse batting average. You know what? That has almost as much value as Miles Straw in a 12 team league because how long how long do you really plan to use Jorge Mateo? Jorge Mateo is never going to be in your roster all year. He's going to be in your roster cuz you need some stolen bases and he's up against like I don't know, the Mets, you know, in interdivisional play who have historically been just awful at stopping runners, right? They used to let John Birdie just steal bases at will, right? So it's it's all about just build, right? It's just build, but know your build and know these players because that's how you're going to finish your build. And they're actually the one you've got the most control over picking. You get to decide when you take your last outfield. You don't decide when you take your first two. You just need them, right? But that last one, you really do get to pick. So it helps you also understand how you should draft early. If you do three mocks and you realize that you're always short on speed, then you need to be looking at the speed options in the back end of the outfield. And go ahead and skip Adam Duvall. Take him off the list because you probably are going to get that covered. Or you're going to take a lot of injury risk in some of your early hitters, like a Max Muncy, when you get to this back end, you need to know who the guys who are just going to play. You know, they're going to play almost every day, right? Yep. You, you'll care a lot more about Andrew McCutcheon, the DH, than other people will. But th- th- it's important to know that so you know how to draft your team. It sounds simple, but there's a, a lot of folks who just aren't doing it, that are just winging it and looking at the rankings. And that's how you end up with team builds that a month into the season, you're like, what was I doing? You kept taking best player available, but you didn't have the right context, right? If you use standing gain points, that's cool. If you use something else, that's cool. But your job in the draft room is not to get the most dollar. Like you're not supposed to, you don't win a league by having the most dollars theoretically saved at auction, right? You don't win. Like there's no roto category for best draft value. It's worth zero points. None, right? What's worth points are the five stat categories on offense, right? Or seven or 30 or whatever it is you play. Focus on those, especially in the back end of your draft. Don't worry about the dollar values. They don't matter anymore. Those dollar values don't go anywhere. They don't do anything. You're not trying to earn dollars anymore. You're trying to earn specific things, specific categories. Focus on those. Rant over. (laughs) All right. Great analysis as always. And I think that uh, basically slams the lid on things for today. Uh, Dylan, uh, appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, Follow Dylan at Burris Dylan. That's at B-U-R-R-I-S-D-Y-L-A-N. Check him out. 
uh, I think Scott's going to have him uh, write up some uh, going deep stuff. So uh, he's going to be uh, creating content for Pitcher List all season long. Uh, you can follow me at Joe Galena. Follow Scott Chu at If the Chew Fits. And you can follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. If there's anything specific that you'd like us to cover, please reach out. Let us know. Subscribe to the podcast. Really important that you uh, leave us a review whenever you can. So, and as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. We'll see you next time. <laughs>